Amen. How many are happy? It's Mother's Day. Make some noise. Come on. I got to tell the mothers in my own words how much I love you. This is a play off of a Facebook meme that's been going around about all the different moms that are out there. It's on Facebook if you care and want to share. So here's to all the mothers, to those who did natural childbirth, and to those like Nancy who took all the meds they offered, to the breastfeeders and to the formula users, to those who let the baby sleep with them, and for those who praise God for the crib, for those who let their babies cry themselves to sleep, and for those who let them fall asleep on them until they were two years old, for those who had them potty trained, walking and talking by their first birthday, and for those who have them on the five-year plan. For the spanking moms, the time-out moms, the let's-talk-it-through moms, and whatever method works the best at the time moms. For the neat and tidy moms, and for the don't-mind-the-mess moms. For the moms who can cook like a pro, and for those who have become pros at cooking from boxes and cans. For the moms who treat fast food like a plague, and for those moms who help McDonald's reach their weekly sales goals. For the moms who always post about the dangers of vaccines, non-organic food, and possible viruses on the playground, and to the moms who think they're weird. For the homeschooling stay-at-home moms, and for the working and outside job like a boss mom. For the soft and gentle moms, and for the loud and tough moms like my mom, the Italian stallion Lorraine Wyrostic. And for single moms, stepmoms, adoptive moms, married moms, and those who are now moms of moms, our grandmas, for the moms who have suffered the loss of a child, and for those who have given up their lives for their child, may God bless you today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life. Let's give it up for the moms one more time. We love you all so much. I hope I hit on something in there that you can relate to. And even if we think you're weird, we still love you and your non-vaccating self or whatever. We love you. And it was funny because when that stuff came out to be really popular, I was like, I drink from the hose outside with the lead. My kids eat dirt. We eat McDonald's two and three times a week. And, you know, we're still strong like bull. Amen. And so you can raise your children however you feel you want to in this church. And we'll let you do it as long as you love them. How many love children here today, amen? We are a church of children in the house of God. And so mothers, please let us take a picture with you and your family. We have a beautiful backdrop, these uh, white walls out there, kind of like you can see in here. We'll make it look nice and sophisticated from our professionals. And we want to make sure you get the right one so they're going to actually show you first before we settle on it. And then you can find it on Facebook on our page after they've edited it. Would you open up your Bibles with me now to the book of Ephesians, Chapter 1, verse 3. I love my mother so much. My mother prayed for me and cared about me even when I turned my back on God. I actually cursed out God in front of her and ripped up my Bible in front of her. But she continued to pray for me. And it was my mother who led me to the Lord at her kitchen table when I was a young pot-smoking high school dropout. So mothers, if you're praying for your children, don't give up because God hears your prayers. Amen. I am a testimony to a praying mother. We're in a sermon series called In Him from the book of Ephesians, and this is what Paul wrote to the people who lived in a city called Ephesus. It was a Roman colony that became a big city. They had a lot of uh, popularity there because they worshipped a pagan goddess known as Diana. A lot of things went through there. It was a port city. It was one of the top five cities of Rome, and Paul went there and preached the gospel, and when these pagans gave their life to the Lord, they gave up all their witchcraft. They burned them in the town square, and the people got so mad that they started persecuting them and killing them and, and really treating them harshly. And Paul kept preaching to them and didn't give up. And these Christians became one of the strongest Christian churches that we uh, see in the New Testament. And as a matter of fact, there's a connection between this and some other books of the Bible. First and second Timothy, Paul's favorite uh, spiritual son, was sent there to pastor this congregation. And this was the city that Paul spent the most amount of time. The in him concept is that we 
are in God. Look at the triangle as it represents the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are now in God. And I want to thank you for your patience as we are writing and performing our own worship songs. You may not hear them on K-Love yet, but one day maybe you will. But we're doing this because we want the songs that we're learning, uh, the, the sermons to incorporate into the songs that we're singing. And so what you learn, we want you to sing. And one was particular today, that I'm seated in heavenly places, blessed with every spiritual blessing, and that I've never been closer to heaven than I am right now. This is the concept of the book of Ephesians. You will never be closer to God than you are right now. That Yes, you may say, I'll go to heaven and see the Father and the Son, but is that who God only is, is the Father and Son? God is the Father, Son, and the what? Holy Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, do you have part of God or all of God? Now, do you have some of the Holy Spirit or all of the Holy Spirit? He only comes all or nothing. Are you listening? And so today, if the Holy Spirit is inside of you as a born-again believer, you are in God. Yes, you will have a more visible relationship with him in the kingdom to come, but today you are as close to God as you will ever be. And what we learn as we read the book of Ephesians is there's a lot of stuff up there or in heavenly realms that needs to come in here or into our world. Heaven needs to invade earth. Does that sound like the Lord's prayer to you? Come on, moms. Do you like the preaching of the word? Come on, somebody say preach it. Jesus said, thank you, that our prayer should be thy kingdom come, thy will be done, the Father's kingdom, and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven needs to invade earth, or another way of saying it, if heaven's already on the inside of you, heaven needs to come out to the world around you. Think of it like that. If God's on the inside of you, heaven's already here. So that means you're the closest thing to heaven that people will ever get until they know Jesus themselves. Are you listening? This is the closest they'll ever get to heaven on earth is this church, is your uh, sharing a job with them or sharing a family dinner with them because we represent the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you are like me in this world. That's what it means to be called a Christian, a Christ I-A-N, the suffix there, I-A-N means to be like the noun. We are like Christ. We are his sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters. Can I hear an amen? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, for the preaching of God's word today. Now, as we're breaking down these verses, we're doing it in sections. Here are 12 verses that we have broken down to help us understand the book of Ephesians, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this whole section, these 12 verses, are a section that we've entitled a mini-series of the bigger series in him, the 14 things that Paul is thankful for. And we've gone through these up into this point, up into verse 6. Today we'll be in verse 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings do you have in heavenly realms? Every single one in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. If somebody says nobody is perfect, what do you say back to them? Get born again. Become who God said you're supposed to be. Yes, you're born a sinner, but get born again a saint. Well, are you perfect now, Pastor? Because I see you mess up. I'm perfect in Christ. I'm perfect in his sight, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how you see me. It matters how he sees me. It's how he sees me that he's going to judge me, and he sees me as righteous and holy and blameless, and he will convict me of sin, and he'll convict you of sin, but he does it from a place of identity. He doesn't kick you and say, you worthless piece of junk. You're not perfect, so don't even try. No, he looks at me when I sin and he says, you're better than that. I made you holy. I made you blameless. You're a king's kid. Now get up and live like it. And I'm like, yes, daddy. Woo, let's do it. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. How many are adopted here today? In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Let's read verse 7 together, our text for today. One, two, three. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God 
God's grace that he lavished on us. There you see in verse 8 that we are lavished with redemption, lavished with forgiveness, with all wisdom and understanding. God wants you to understand it and to know and apply it. What is wisdom? The application of knowledge and understanding is to gain that knowledge. So it's to gain it, to understand it, and then to apply it. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So what is the mystery of God's will? If I don't know about you, but if you like to read mystery books, and I used to do this when I was a kid, now I kind of watch them on TV, I would skip ahead every now and then again and go to the end of the book and be like, I can't take it anymore. I want to know who the bad guy is. I want to know how this ends. Well, guess what? You can go to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and see how it ends. It's not a mystery anymore. You can understand what this whole thing's about. It's about Jesus whooping the devil, coming back to this earth, restoring the Garden of Eden, thus being with him forever. There's the mysterious will of God. Look at verse 10. To put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, that's what we're waiting for, to bring unity to how many things? All things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Are you getting ready for that day? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Look at verse 11. In him, as a reminder to us of the sermon series, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How many things work out to the purpose of his will? says everything, all things working out to the purpose of his will. Every single thing in your life is working out for God's good if you're a Christian. So you might as well just text your hater right now and say, thank you for hating on me because you're causing something good to happen in my life right now. You're drawing me closer to God. This mess will be my message. This test will be my testimony. While you messing, God is blessed. You can't stop what God started. I double dog dare you to put that on Facebook right now because even the the devil is being used for God's glory right now upon this earth. Why? As a reminder of everything that's evil. Every time you see a shooting, every time you see something wicked, you need to go devil bad, God good, and I'm about ready to get rescued from this place. And until that day, I'm going to bring heaven to earth. Amen? in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And you also, somebody say he's talking about me. Come on, no matter how long the gospel message has been being preached, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. How many of you believed? Amen. You were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's why you can't get any closer to what heaven is than by the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say, well, isn't heaven a location, and so I'll be closer to that location. But it's not the location, the streets of gold, that makes heaven heaven. If you had gold but no God, it would be hell. Are you listening? You are close to heaven right now because the Holy Spirit, what created and made heaven what it is, is here with you today. That's why we say we've never been closer to heaven than we are right now because we're sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, he is with us. And by the way, heaven is just a temporary place. Heaven comes to earth in the book of Revelation for us to live and dwell with God upon the earth. The kingdom does come, the will does come, the prayer is answered. Look at verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? Look at the bold part because this will incorporate into verse 7, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now watch this. Everybody look up at me, please. You've read this with me now seven times, maybe a little bit more on your own, and I'm encouraging you every week to read your Bible. Read your Bible every day, and one day a week, read Ephesians. Only takes 20 minutes by audio Bible. And I know that some of you, you're probably thinking, man, I got this, Pastor. Man, why are we even reading this right now? I've already pretty much got all the concepts in there. Let's just see if you do. Can I give you a little test? How many redemptions are there according to this passage? You see, there are two redemptions according to this passage. And if you were not paying attention, you missed it. And it shows you how deep the Bible is. Notice in verse 14, it says, un. 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession. That means they don't have the redemption of verse 14. There's an until. There's something that's happening that needs to be accomplished, and until it is, they can't have it. But look up to verse 7. There are no tricks up my sleeve. It was right there before your eyes in black and white and even in bold because in verse 7 it says, in him we have redemption. Those of you who know grammar, Greek, the original language of the New Testament is very similar. Past, present, and future. Is have a past, present, or future? Which one is it? Have is what? It's a present. If it would have been past, what would it be? Had, if it was going to the future, what would it be? To have or will have? Come on. So it says in verse 7, you have redemption. You have it right now. But yet in verse 14, it says, until you have redemption. Is the author contradicting himself? Or did you just get your mind blown and know why pastor got a job and you need to keep studying? Y'all need to keep studying, don't you? Because I just read it and I just read it and I don't always understand it, but I just read it. Start to take your time. And look at every word, as the Bible says, breathe out from the mouth of God. Bible says that Jesus, when he was tempted, said, we do not live by bread alone. We don't live by all the dinners we're going to just have today. And some of us are going to have some real good ones, right? We're going to go out to eat, give the moms a day off. But here's the deal. You don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is a reason why it was inspired this way, well, why Paul wrote it down. It's not a trick. It's in common English now and was and then in Greek to understand. There is a redemption that you have and there's a redemption you're waiting for. Somebody say preach it. Amen. I will get to that part. In review, here are the 14 things Paul says that he's thankful for and the messages that we've already covered. Blessed with every spiritual blessing, and these are online and on the app as well. Chosen to be holy and blameless. Adoption to sonship. Glorious grace. What are we talking about today, y'all? Redemption and forgiveness. What are we going to talk about next week? And understand, y'all ain't bored yet, right? We're loving the book of Ephesians. I hope that you are. Knowing God's mysterious will the week after, unified with Christ, God's plan, made to praise God's glory, the gospel, marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed inheritance, God's possession. I promise you that you will learn something every time you come here, and it will apply to your life. So be faithful as we go through the book of Ephesians. As we go into our lesson today on redemption and forgiveness, let's get out these definitions. The word redemption may sound like a big word, maybe something that has a religious context, but it not only applies in religion. It actually is a common word that's been, re, uh, re, been used, and you'll hear about it in just a moment, but it means a releasing affected by payment of ransom. So whenever somebody is getting out of debt, when someone pays a debt for somebody else, they are redeemed. And the best example we can do with this is to look back to the time of slavery in America. And let me take a side journey here for everybody to understand understand how we stand uh, on these issues as a church. If you want to know where slave traders in America went, they went to hell when they died. The Bible says in Timothy, slave traders have no place in the kingdom of God. Now, if anybody then takes that and says, because they were white, because they were Christian, white is bad, Christian is bad, they don't know history. Where do you think the white slave trader who went to hell got his slave, Kuta Kinte, from? He got it from black slave traders who enslaved their own people. Black people slaved their own people for a thousand years on the continent of Africa before white people ever showed up. And then before that, in the time of these cultures we're reading about now Rome, white people enslaved their own people. So listen to me. If we're going to be very clear to say white southern folk went to hell. And I wasn't here, by the way. My ancestors came around the early 1900s from Italy and Poland. It wasn't my fault. Y'all, are you listening? So don't pick on me. I had nothing to do with it. And my, my, my grandparents were on the side Reverend Martin Luther King never lived in the South. I, I lived in the South almost 10 years, but they were never there during segregation. But listen to me. If you want to take sides, take the side of sin and not of culture. Because if you say white bad because they did this, then black bad because they did this. And then now listen to me. All my Latinos who want to be down with the gente and say, oh man, the raza, this and that. You have no idea what you did to your own people. Have you ever studied the Aztecs? Have you ever studied
studied the Incas. Those little pictures you like to see it in the Mexican restaurant, the guy holding the woman with the big thing on, the feathers on his head. Well, that's cute until they showed up to your village, and that's your wife he's holding in his chil- your children. They're burning for sacrifices. Study what they did to this land. Are you listening to me? So everybody needs to be redeemed from the debt of sin because we have become slaves to sin. All of us. But here's the example that I want you to see. It's an old story that's told. I don't know how truthful it is. It may represent a, a lot of stories, but summarized in this one. that There was once a, a white businessman in the time of the slavery in the South, and he had not seen the kind of slaves, uh, the slaves being treated in that such way when he was traveling, like, say, through New Orleans and them coming off the ships. And there was one woman that was stripped naked, put up on a block like an animal to be sold into slavery. He was so distraught by it. He took whatever money he had and he bought her and it would shock the rest of the people because they didn't think she would be worth that but he just couldn't stand to see the sight so he said I'll buy her all, everything I have and then she came and looked at him and she thought that maybe she, he had bad intentions for her so she spits in his face but he walks her over to the place where they make the payment and sign the papers and there he said I bought her to set her free he signs the other papers unlooses her chains and says you are free that is the example that we see in the Bible of what redemption looks like. But it goes one step further because the woman in this story did not have a reason to be enslaved. It was an innocent, she was an innocent victim of slavery as we see today in human trafficking. But all of us have made choices to sin and make the devil our master. And God has come to die on the cross for us, though we have spit on him thought we didn't need him, but he still took our punishment and said, I died to set you free. That is redemption. Redemption is someone purchasing your freedom, whether you accept it or not. It is their desire for you to be free, and then you have to decide if you want to be free. Obviously, in the story of the African-American woman, she probably got as far as that place as she could. But sadly, those of us here today oftentimes run back to our wicked slave master, the devil, because of the lies that he has promised us. But Jesus has given us the truth, and the truth will set us free from the devil. Amen? And then forgiveness, it's, it's an easy thing to understand, but forgiveness has to go beyond just the idea of saying sorry and someone saying I'm cool with it. In the legal sense, forgiveness of debt, the forgiveness of what you have done against the law is how the Bible uses it. It's a legal term. It means release from bondage or imprisonment. Now, once again, let's make this example applicable. You are not an innocent person in bondage today. You deserve to be in jail. In God's jail, you deserve death. You deserve hell. Adam and Eve, and I do too, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden for how many sins, y'all? How many? 20? Well, that one must have been really bad. They must have murdered somebody, hurt a child. What did they do? Disobeyed God. How many sins have you done? How about today? How many did you do last week? So what do you deserve? You deserve the punishment. Jesus dies in our place so that the wrath of God may be fulfilled. God is not an unjust judge. Sometimes we think that God should just say, well, I forgive you. Just go about your way. No, there had to be a penalty. If if someone is killed viciously in our streets and a judge goes, well, the murderer said, I'm sorry. Well, I'll just let him go. All of us have an inner voice of conscience that would cry out for justice and say, Something about that's not right. There has to be a restitution. And so that comes from the Father. Restitution, not revenge. Even though the Bible says revenge is is mine, says the Lord. That's another discussion. But restitution comes from God through Jesus Christ. And if he hasn't paid for your sins and you don't think you need to be forgiven because you're so good, wait till you pay for them yourself. So let him carry your debt. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. And then a big word here once again, but yet uh, this half of the room is excited about Jesus. Amen. How about this half? You all love Jesus? Amen. When I say Jesus, this room, the side of the room say Christ. Jesus, Jesus. Well, when I say holy, y'all say go, saying holy, saying holy. Amen. You all both up. Amen. I just want to make sure it was fair today. And this side of the room, we're not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
atonement. This is like the weirdest church I know for some people. It's like he is so deep. He's talking about hell. Our mind's getting blown. And then he stops and raps and has us all chanting stuff. And then it goes back to being deep. What's going on? I think in like a world of a lot of millennials, technology keeping your attention, this is what God uses to help, you know. So the atonement, it means the act of removing guilt. So now follow through the steps here of what we're learning in this passage. God redeems us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our debts are paid. We're set free. He doesn't leave us like that now. He then forgives our sins and all the things we've done in the past because we were justly imprisoned and in bondage. And then lastly, he atones and washes away the guilt from our mind and so that we can live free with a clear conscience. Learning from our mistakes but not living in the past. Stepping out of the past into the future. Everybody look at your neighbor say there's no condo bondo baby no condo bondo condemnation or bondage Jesus did not set us free for us to walk around as lowly worms in sackcloth ashes over our head and say oh, I'm just a sinner no Jesus set us free to be his saints to be his holy ones his sons and daughters we're king's kids can I get an amen look at your neighbor and say that was the introduction are you ready for the two redemptions? Now notice them as we go through the passage here. The first redemption speaks of our forgiveness and spiritual rebirth. Look at that passage again, Ephesians 1.7. In him we have presently right now redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. So where has the transformation and the freedom happened? It's happened internally in my heart right now. Internally, I am not the same person I was when I was born, Jim. January 19th, 1977. November 5th, 1995, I was made a new creation in Christ. Quickly turn with me to the book of John, chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, because you know there were some fake disciples around then too. Verse 32, then you will what? Know the, and the truth will Okay, so when you know it, you receive the benefit from it. Are you listening? When I know it, I receive the benefit from it. And how does God's freedom work through Jesus? It says a slave, in verse 35, has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Look at verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The people here he's arguing with don't think they need to be free, and he calls them children of the devil. That's how serious this conversation gets. So if you look at yourself and you're like, I'm a pretty good person, I don't need to be set free, you need to get set free from deception because you're in trouble right now. But if you can admit the truth, I'm a sinner who has sinned under the just wrath of God, but I'll accept a savior of redemption, a buying of my debt setting me free, then the Bible says that truth will set you free by your faith. And the Bible says then who the sun sets free, anxious kind of free, is not just free for a little bit. They are free indeed. Come on, free for as long as they stay with Jesus Christ. Amen. So the idea that Paul is saying here is that we have that inner spiritual freedom now. Freedom from bad attitudes. Freedom from our lust. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from selfish ambitions. Freedom from everything they call reality TV. Freedom from having to be like the Kardashians. I'm telling the truth today. Freedom from living a life outside of God's plan for us. I'm very happy you're free to live holy now. Okay, and the Bible says it clearly. Let me give you a few scriptures. In Revelation, the end of the book, it says, You were slain with your blood, you what? Purchased for God persons from every tribe and language, people and nation. So you were bought by God with a price. Value is set by what people are willing to pay for it. If you keep up with stocks, if you keep up with uh, what's going on in the world and commodities, commodities and their prices like milk and these kinds of things are set by what people are willing to pay for it, gas and so forth. Even sometimes the government has to regulate. If Jesus purchased you with his blood, how much are you worth? You're worth the infinite love of God. Now, why would you settle for anything less? 
Why would you go back to the plantation of the devil to be a slave to something called pornography, to be a slave to something called a bad attitude, to be the slave towards thinking, thinking? Is there anything on the devil's land, in the devil's kingdom that you would want? No, because every spiritual blessing has been provided to you by Jesus Christ. Back in the day, I remember Snoop Dogg making a deal with the devil so he could become a famous rapper. Was that a good deal or a stupid deal? That's right, it's a dumb deal. The Bible says, what good does it profit a man to trade his soul and lose it in the end, even if he had the whole world, if he gained the whole world? Did Snoop Dogg even get the whole world out the deal? Now, we know Satan can give it because Satan was given that authority until Jesus took it from him. And in one sense, Satan can have some power here now because when uh, Jesus was with Satan, Satan said, if you bow to me, I'll give it to you. And how does Satan get that? Because man give it to him. But Jesus took it back on our, on our behalf. So even now, if Satan tries to break us off a little bit of his territory that he has temporarily, is it worth it? No, and if you could get the whole world, is it worth it? No, it's not. I belong to Jesus, and he loves me. Now look at Colossians, same author, Paul. Look at what he says. For he has what? Rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have what? Redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You see how they're tied together? Now watch the redemption of our bodies. It may not be in that passage of Ephesians, so it's okay if you wouldn't have caught it, but I at least wanted you to catch the verbiage. Look once again at Ephesians 1.14. Until the redemption of those who are God's position. Everybody say until. If I have to wait until something, do I have it now? No, but now watch this. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. If you've been reading the book, you might have caught it. Watch it. Ephesians 4, 30, Paul speaking. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. So remember, Father, Son, in heaven, where's the Holy Spirit? In us, sealing us, with whom you were sealed for the, the day of what? Oh, there's a day of redemption. Oh, but I thought I have redemption now. I do. But there's also a day. When is that day? Let's go to Paul's other writings, Romans chapter 8, verse 23. We call this a Bible workout. Are you guys working it today? Work the word and it will work for you. Ephesians 8, 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is what inside of us? A new life. We're born again. That shows us that God hears our prayers and he's with us. He hasn't left us alone. Jesus kept his word. So the first fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of you is a new life, that which has happened on the inside. But now because of that, you groan inwardly. You feel like you don't belong here, that things hurt you because of what you see the world doing. We groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the what? The redemption of our Say it like you're up. One, two, three. The redemption of our bodies. So the day of redemption is the resurrection. Where do we have redemption now? Inwardly. In our spiritual natures. You are more than just a body. You are a spiritual being. That's why we can't find you when we give you an MRI. Scan your brain. Where are you? You're not there. You are a spiritual being. But you use your body for a time. So when you were saved or rescued or redeemed by Jesus, all of you needed to be redeemed and rescued. All the parts of you. Your spiritual nature needed to be redeemed. That was the part of us that died in the Garden of Eden. He said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did their body die instantly that day? No, their spiritual nature died, and they came into deep darkness spiritually. But God cares about our bodies, too, because when he made us in the Garden of Eden, did he just make us like Casper the ghost? Spirits just floating around? No, we were made to be in a physical world. The earth, though it's fallen, it has natural disaster because it's outside of the blessing of God in the sense of his protection. But we can still see the beauty of it, how gorgeous the sunset is, how beautiful the oceans are. And we can also see that by looking at our body, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're more beautiful than the flowers of the field, than the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, than the mountain uh, peaks, you know, at the Sahara, Nevada, where I've been in Colorado. 
California, how beautiful it is with the big redwoods and the, the ocean beside it. We are the apex of God's creation. So he wanted to redeem our bodies. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't only spiritual in nature. He had to suffer physical in nature. And he raised again on the third day. Not just to prove that he could defeat the devil, but to show us a new humanity. A humanity now with a perfect soul and spirit and a perfect body. You are now supposed to be sons and daughters like Jesus, his brother and sister. He is making a new humanity, starting inwardly and then outwardly. How many are excited about that? Now look at your neighbor and say, here's the message. Okay, now here are the four effects of redemption and atonement. And I won't have us read all of these scriptures, but feel free to read through them on your own. That's why I give you guys extensive notes. And then notice that I have the theories of atonement next to them for those who are into theology or what sometimes is called a theological nerd, theology nerds. There are such a thing, by the way. And we're kind of proud of those statuses because we love studying the Word of God. And it's okay. Not everybody gets this because even my wife says, I haven't read those books, Joe, because I keep writing new ones. And she's like, I'll read that one one day. And it's like, no, you won't. No, you won't. But I know you love me. That's okay. And, that, and that's the way it is. Not all of us are book readers, and I don't homeschool five children either. So we all have our part. Amen. I can be sassy to myself because I can hear my wife's voice in my head. Here are the four main effects of redemption. This is what happened because Jesus did redeem us and forgive us. Our ransom was paid. That's the ransom theory. We talked about that already. Number two, our punishment was taken. We've gotten a little knowledge of that. That's called the penal substitution theory, that our moral requirements were met and the wrath of God was, was met as well because Jesus took what we deserve. Our enemy, the devil, was defeated. That's Christus Victor theory. That's in Latin. Christ is our victor. How many believe that? Amen. And then thirdly, our union with God was restored. That is the recapitulation, recapitulation theory, which means God restarted humanity in Jesus Christ. Can I give you a scripture from each one to encourage you today? Our ransom was paid for. Here's for the three that still believe in me. How many of the rest of you believe that the word of God is worth our time? How many think we should read a scripture? Amen. Okay. I know sometimes I throw you off, and I'm an amen and pastor. I don't take it personal. Just every now and then. Every now and then I go, I don't know if they love me. No, I'm kidding. You know, it's hard to be a pastor. Sometimes we don't know as pastors if you love us. But here's what you can do to show me that you love me. Love the Word of God. When I come here, some people say, you're funny, you do this. You know, I don't even come with any jokes. All you see is exactly what's up here. Everything I'm sharing with you is from my heart. Amen? Here's a scripture on God paying our ransom through Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for a many. Oh, the next one is so good. Let me read it, y'all. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, not Father Tom. It's the man, Jesus Christ. How many can say amen to that? Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. When Jesus was dying on that cross, that was so that you and I could get set free. We should take that very serious. That's why sin shouldn't be something that we take lightly. Though we may do it still as Christians, but we should understand that what it cost Jesus was serious, and so we should hate it the way he hates it. Not take that attitude lightly, not take our selfishness lightly, but say, God, give me a heart to love what you love and hate what you hate. When he took our punishment, do you know that there was an exchange? He took our punishment that we might have his blessing. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Before you knew Jesus, was there any righteousness in you? Now that you know Jesus, is there any sin in you? Oh, I'm confused. When you did not know Jesus, no righteousness. No Jesus, no sin. You can't have it both ways. You say, but pastor, I still sin. Yeah, because you're doing something dumb. You need to stop doing that. He set you free from all sins. He said the truth will set you free. When you believe you are made sinless, you will sin less. Using that old tired excuse, nobody who's perfect, will keep you living as a sinner. When you say, I'm free from all sins, how do you think that affects your attitude? I can see it in my life. When I made the excuse that I'm not set free from sin, God's still working on me, he's not done with me yet, whatever, and all of that, I didn't have a problem looking at porn. But after 1996, on my fall break, I got the understanding I am not who this person is anymore. Jesus made me a new creation, and then I acted as I was. 
When I look at my son when he makes a mistake, I don't say, well, all kids make mistakes and you're just a dumb one and you know what, I don't expect anything else from you, so go ahead and keep making them. No, what I do is I say, you made a mistake, I forgive and love you, but you're a wyrostic, you don't have to make that mistake anymore. You don't have to beat your sister with the baseball bat anymore. You don't have to do that. And you would be surprised what these kids do in my house, okay? You, you don't have to drop kick the other one on the trampoline. You don't have to, that, does, that never has to happen again. And so, yeah, there are still sins that I sin, but there are sins that I never sinned again. And why can't the sins that I'm still sinning now be like the sins I've never sinned again? What's the difference between pornography? I don't look, I haven't looked at that since 96, but I still may be tempted with a fantasy in my mind. Why can't I drop the fantasy like I dropped the pornography? It's all a matter of my belief in the truth. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. How much do you believe will be determined by how much you're free, and how much you're free is determined on how much you believe. And he already said, I set you free. So every time you don't believe it, it's just taking the, uh, the jail cell to yourself, walking back in, shutting the door, taking the key and throwing it down. You lock yourself up. God sets you free. Have a free heart today. Amen. Be as free as you want to be. That's what Jesus said. Be as free as you want to be. Cursed, uh, look at the curse being taken upon Christ. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. It's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The pole was the tree. Jesus defeated the devil. Let's look at this. I'm going to have you all just read this for me, and you tell me how I'm supposed to preach this to you, okay? Let's read these two verses. One, two, three. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. How am I supposed to preach this to you? Well, nobody's perfect, and when he died for you, it really wasn't like he redeemed you from anything. How am I supposed to say this to you? How about I say what it says? If you keep on sinning, you're of the devil. But if you believe Jesus has set you free, you will no longer continue in sin because God's seed, the Holy Spirit, remains in you and is bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit. And here you go. You cannot go on sinning because you've been born of God. You say, but if I sin, what do I do? Repent. How many of you have known since being a Christian, going on sinning doesn't work very well? You used to get mad and cuss people out, and it was like you could sleep at night with a clear conscience, but now that doesn't work. Why? Because God is telling you that's not how you live. You may not be able to stop every sin today in your life, but you can repent of every sin in your life, and you can discontinue it as often as it comes and say continuing in sin will not be my habit. Continuing with God will be. I heard a preacher once saying, preachers struggle, guys, with, unless they believe the word of God. I have a pastor right now taking a six-week sabbatical, got burned out. But i got to tell you something, I'm not going to burn. I'm going to burn up for Jesus. Not burn out, burn up. Amen? But listen to me, all these pastors cheating on their wives. One of my good friends in Bible college uh, cheated on his wife with an intern. And, and let me just tell you, it happened to anybody until you get it right in your mind, until you think, as the Bible tells you a thing, and believe what he said. Watch this. Let me tell you something right here. I refuse to believe that any sin needs to be continued on in my life. Because as a pastor, I had a pastor friend say to me, uh, it's okay because I'm a pastor. And I want to tell you, if the devil lies to me like that, he's going to lie to you the same way. It's okay. You go to church. You did say you were sorry. And that may be true in the sense of forgiveness, but it's not true in the sense of transformation. You can't be transformed from something until you want to be transformed into something. Are you listening? You can't ever go to the gym and get something out of that work out, you will stop at the first 10 minutes of that crazy person leading that aerobic class or that CrossFit class. And I just watched the 2016 CrossFit movie they put out, Strongest Man on Earth, and they're doing all these things. You will never last in those workouts because unless you see the goal of what you're going towards, you can't be transformed from something unless you know you're being transformed into something. And the lies go a dime a dozen. You can find one anytime you want. But here's the thing I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that I can't go on sinning because God's seed remains in me, and he will convict me. Amen? If not, my wife will. She'll be like, that's a sin. Repent of that. How many are happy you got wives that will tell you when you sin? 
Two of you. Don't be, you should be happy you have wives that tell you when you sin. Look at what Jesus said. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever. I hold the keys of death and hell. Don't be afraid to die. Jesus already went there and destroyed it, and now you can go to heaven with him. Here's my last point. I guess I went through them all. They're so precious. We have restored communion and union with Jesus. Communion is our relationship, and union is our status. Look at this part as we, as we are ending now. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? The image of his son. Conformed to what? The image of his son. Who are you to be conformed to? The image of his son, that he might be Jesus, the firstborn among men many brothers and sisters. Have you been born again? Then what family were you born into? The family of God. Now whose image are you in? See, the first family you were born into, you might have got a Polish nose like I do, you know, dark hair like my Italian mom. You might have these attributes and traits from your culture, but spiritually, you now look like Jesus. You are in conformed. Is that past, present, or future? No, conformed has an E-D. Can I get some help here from some, some people who are literate? Conformed, is that past, present, or future? So has it happened or are you waiting for it to happen? It's already happened. When were you conformed, past tense, to the image of Jesus? The day you got saved. When you believed. When you put your hope in him. Isn't that what Ephesians says? And think of conformed as a cookie cutter. Boom, cutting out the access, shaping you into the image of that, that cookie, that gingerbread or whatever you're making, a Superman. When the Father takes Jesus, he goes in you, and now you look like Jesus. So it's time to act like it. Amen? Second Peter chapter 2, verse, verse 1, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, here it is. Through these he has given us very great and pre precious promises so that through them you may participate in what? What are you supposed to participate in now? The, the nature of Michael Jackson? The, the nature of uh, who's your favorite person in life right now? You know, some basketball player? You can participate like Dwayne Wade or whatever. I'm so out of touch with sports or Baez, you know. No, who do you participate in? In the what? Divine nature. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm dancing with the divine. Say, I step on his toes every now and then, but I'm still doing my part. Come on, I'm dancing with him. I'm walking with Jesus. Having what? Escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Once again, let everybody look up at me, please. You can't escape what you're running to. Hello? You can't escape what you're running to. So let's imagine this over here is a burning building. I cannot escape running this way. I can't say that I'm really wanting to live for Jesus and take God at his word when this is the lies of this world, the corruption of this world, and I'm running right to it. That is what a hypocrite is. I am not a hypocrite because I say I'm holy as God is holy, blameless and perfect in his sight. I am not a hypocrite. Why? Because whenever I'm not, I repent, and that's what he commanded me to do. I'm dancing with the divine. Do you understand how it works? The hypocrite is the one running towards the world going, it's all right. It's okay. God doesn't expect anything other than this. I, after all, I'm just human. And, and, and they make that excuse because God said, no, you're not supposed to be just human. You're supposed to get some divine help in your life. Remember that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You use that before you take a test after you blew it off all week and think that's how it works. That's not supposed to help women get a good deal shopping for shoes today. Come on, somebody. The I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me has to do with participating in the divine nature and escaping the corruption of this world. Woo, I'm excited. Oh, how many love Jesus? Can you guys give it up for Jesus? Thank you, Lord. We love Jesus. Amen. Would you give me just your last moments here as we close out? Um, altar workers and band, would you come? We're just going to ask everybody to come at the, the beginning here. I want to end with a story about the kinsman redeemer and how Jesus is that. When you look at the Bible, there's a concept called the kinsman redeemer. And since we're talking about forgiveness and redemption today, I thought I would tie this together. The book is called Ruth, where it really illustrates this. And what it's about is imagine if you owe debts that you couldn't pay and you had to go and work them off. 
So like in our culture, if you can't pay back Target, it's not like Target's going to say, start cleaning up, you know, pay off your debt. They're just going to be like, hey, you better pay me, Jack, or I'm going to hand you the collection, you know. And then if you can't do that, you go bankrupt. Sadly, people have done that. You know, I can relate to that having gone on a bad lease with the church before. But, but listen, this is not how it worked in the ancient times. In the ancient times, if you had a debt you couldn't pay, like you owed that debt to somebody. So it's like, Father Bob, I can't pay you back for the five cows that you sold me. Uh, what do you want me to do? You know, Farmer Bob will be like, come and milk these cows until you earn $1,000, you know. And then you would have to work it off. Well, the problem would happen when you would get into a lot of debt and what do you do about that? And so what God allowed was for somebody to pay your debts for you in the law and it would be somebody from your kin, your family. And so if they came and paid your debt, redeems you, they would be your kin redeemer, kinsman redeemer, kin woman redeemer. Are you listening? The story of Ruth is one that illustrates this because Ruth was married to an Israelite. Her husband died, and now she had nothing. Not so much that she had debt. It's just she had no land. She had nowhere to live. She had nowhere to get food, nowhere to work. And so they told her, you have a relative that could be your kinsman redeemer. His name is Boaz. So she went to Boaz's feet in the middle of the night and basically begged him to take care of her. But Boaz went to the next level. Boaz didn't just take care of her. Boaz married her and brought her in. What does this remind you of? The Bible says we are the bride of Christ, and Jesus bought us with a price so that we could be married to him. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. We owed debts that we could not pay. Jesus paid for those debts. How do we enter into that relationship now? We do it like Ruth did with Boaz. We humble ourselves at his feet and say, I need your help. I need your help. At the end of June, we're going to have some of my favorite missionaries. We support five missionaries in this church. Some of you are new, and thank you for being a part of this church, and you didn't know that, and you're going to get to know them very intimately as they come throughout the year. At the end of June, my one of my favorite ones, a fellow classmate of mine, she works in South Africa. She used to be in Mozambique, and she runs an orphanage. But one of the things that she says that really sticks with me that comes from Heidi Baker, her leader, as they run these orphanages all over Africa, is that we work, they'll say it like this, we work with people who are poor and it's easier to help them because they know they're poor. When we come to America, they don't know they're poor, so it's hard to give them the riches of the gospel. We work with people who know they're being sex trafficked, you know, trafficked. They, they know they get kidnapped, taken to a place, you know. But here we can't teach the young people that they're really being sex trafficked by the devil and perversion, being taught to think a wrong way. It's hard to open their mind to that. We see people that do witchcraft, you know, and it's you point out to them, you know, this statue you have here, this thing you're shaking a stick at and all this voodoo, whatever they're doing, this is witchcraft. But the people of your culture, you know, when they come back here, it's hard to let them see that the drugs they smoke, that the mindsets, the music they listen to is their incantations and their you know, spirituality, it's witchcraft. And oftentimes I think that's true when we come to this message about redemption is that we don't think we're really the one enslaved. We don't think it was really that bad. Like we were good people, right, Jesus? I didn't murder anybody. It's not like I was locked up, you know. And God is like, you have no idea what was going on. You belong to Satan. You are going to perish. But I paid for you. For you now to say you don't need me means in the end you get an eternity without me. So what is Paul saying here that we need to take and apply to our life with all of this being said is that we need to understand what redemption is. And so if you're here today and you say, well, I'm a Christian already, Pastor. I kind of get all that. You need to see who you are in Christ then and stop making excuses for sin. He didn't buy you and just leave you on the side of the road. He adopted you. Think of the prodigal son real quick in closing here. Come on now. Think of the prodigal son. He does all of those crazy things. He comes back home. The father doesn't just say, I forgive you. It's all good. No, the father embraces him, takes his signet ring and puts it on him and says, here is my inheritance. God gives you his image, gives you his very life.
And lastly, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this life can be yours. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we pray? Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Starting with those who are already Christians. If you say, I know God, but I'm not living like I should for God because I don't believe or haven't understood who he's made me to be. Right now, would you just raise up your hand where you are and say, God, show me who you made me to be. Show me the purpose you bought me for, oh God. Show me that I am your righteousness today, that I'm blameless and holy in your sight. Anybody today struggling with an identity crisis, would you be honest and say, God, I need to see it the way you do. I need to see it the way you do, God. Because I can't change what I don't admit. And so, Lord, I admit I keep seeing myself as the way Adam was when he sinned instead of the way Jesus said I was when he saved me. I only see my past. I don't see my present and future. I'm only reminded of my mistakes instead of your glory. I only see me and not the Holy Spirit. Come on, Christians, right now. Who needs help with their identity? Being bought with a price, redeemed, forgiven, atoned for, free from guilt. And for those of you who think this encourages us to not take sin seriously, you don't understand the Bible. Those of us who truly get forgiven of sin will not continue in sin just to say that we're forgiven. It's the preaching like this that will truly set people free and give them the full weight of what they do. In Jesus' name. Now, those of you who are here in just a few moments before we leave, and you would say, I don't know Jesus like that. I haven't had a relationship. Maybe I've been religious or I've been to church, but I know I need him. Would you just slip up your hands now, too, in a sign of prayer, surrender, and just be like, God, come into my heart. I believe in you. You died for me. You redeemed me. Thank you. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. So if we would have started today... And we asked you, are you redeemed? You should have been able to say yes. And then if I asked you, are you, are you waiting for redemption? You should be able to say yes. And now you should know about that, right? And so now would we all just raise our hands together and say, Lord, until our days are ended, until we meet you in heaven, until redemption of our body, we will give it all we have on this earth. We will love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Until our dying breath, oh God. We will live for you. You died for me so I could live for you. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Would you stand and worship? And the sun sets free. We'll close out in prayer in just a moment. Now if you believe it, would you sing it out? The sun. out and pray your moms don't forget about your pictures with your family uh, lord bless us today as we go may we enjoy this day with our mothers and know that you died to set us free in jesus name and everybody said amen can you give it up for jesus would you slap your neighbor high five and say you are set free god bless you have a great day if you need prayer come on up or worship with us otherwise have a great week it's creating. God bless you as you go. Who the sun? Go in freedom. Or if you just want someone to ask questions to or to love on you, we're not in a hurry. We want to pray for you today. Freedom is in this house. In the presence of the Lord, you're free. You are new in who God said you are. You've been given a 
presence and then we'll go to the bridge. Yes, Lord. worship and pray those of you who are being ministered to we're not in a hurry but as we prepare to dismiss the band I want us to hear this today Jesus loved you enough to die for you your value is set by the price of Jesus's blood and today you are who God said you are you can do everything that he said you can do don't leave out of here a slave to sin. Leave out of here an adopted son and daughter of the Lord. Someone who's been redeemed. Someone who is purchased with the greatest possible price. The purchase price for you was the blood of Jesus. Was the amazing, uncomparable, rich blood of Jesus. Can I hear an amen from the after party? Amen. Keep worshiping and hanging out, but thank you, man. You're dismissed as well. Enjoy your Mother's Day, moms. Thank you.